Father God, thank you so much for your mercy and your grace and your love and your Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for all that you do in our lives. Lord, that there's nothing outside of your knowledge in our lives, Lord. There's nothing outside of you. There's nothing, Lord, that, that is out of your, 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 your vision, Lord, your thoughts towards us, God. You are absolutely always in control. Father, thank you for your word, that it's powerful, that it never turns back void. Thank you, Lord, that this isn't about me up here speaking, but about you speaking to us, me included, through your word, Father. Lord, just praise you for who you are and what you're doing, God. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you that you conquered sin and death. You've, you followed what the Father asked you to do, Lord, and you took our place, God. Thank you that you, 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 you came back from the dead, Lord. You conquered death even. Thank you, Lord, that the riches of who you are are available to our lives, Lord, as you see fit to give us, Father. Thank you, Lord, that your plans for us are great and mighty, plans to prosper us, to make us well, not necessarily financially, but supernaturally in our soul, Lord, to make us complete. And I just pray, Lord, that all of us, God, none of us would leave this place, Lord, missing what you have for us today, Lord, myself included, Father. Lord, I need you every day, Lord. Praise you for everybody here, Lord. For those online listening, I pray that you would help their distractions go away, Lord. Just minister to us, Lord. I pray that you'd be with the kids, Lord, as, as they're learning about the same things in the word today, that you'd minister to them and grow them in you, Father. Just thank you in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Cool, I was really nervous. I, I left my glasses in the back and I was like, I hope I can find my glasses. I didn't want to be distracting. It's kind of weird going through the, the veil. So anyway. Can you guys hear me okay? I probably don't need to be in the speakers, but with us being online, it, without it being through here, no one would hear me. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Cool, so today we're gonna be in Acts chapter four, verse 23 through 37, and um, kind of give a recap. Um, Peter and John uh, came to the temple at the hour of prayer. Uh, this is chapter before this. And there was this man who was... Um, it says he was lame from birth. In other words, he, he couldn't walk. There was an ailment and, and he had never been healed. And so Peter and John walk uh, through, go into the temple and, and they see this man. And, and, and the man went back then, if, if, you, if you couldn't, uh, you know, um, work for a living, um, you know, your body didn't work right. Uh, you're, you were destitute to be carried by your friends and placed in a place where people walked so you could ask them for money. And that's the way you'd make a living. And so this man was set at the gate called Beautiful at the temple every day. So Peter and John walk by and they connect glance eyes. I'm paraphrasing this piece. And uh, <clears throat> Peter tells him, I, we don't have anything to give you basically, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus, 
be healed. He'd basically stand up and walk and the man was healed. And then the religious leaders at the time, they were really frustrated about that. These are the same people that, that, that you know, wanted to crucify Jesus. They, they wanted Jesus to, to be gone. And, and, and they were the, the, the folks that were instrumental in, in Christ's crucifixion. They were the, called the Sanhedrin. We learned that last week. And they were the religious council. And really they were the people that were to manage God's word and stuff in the Old Testament and through the, into the New Testament, but they, they lost sight and they became these uh, religious fanatics to where they created all these laws and different things and they were burdened they, and they, they had a lot of pride and, and really they lost the mark. They weren't about the Messiah. They weren't about Jesus. In fact, they denied who Jesus was. And so Peter and John were on trial. They told them to be very quiet. Don't talk about Jesus ever again. And then the verse, uh, verse 23 of Acts 4 is where we pick it up. It says this. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all, the chief, all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that they... So when they heard that they raised their voice to God, I'm sorry. I'm gonna start again. Acts 4, 23. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Verse 27, for truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did any say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet and they distributed to each as anyone had need. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. <clears throat> so for those of you that are new here, 
um, I we go through the scripture and then we expound on it. We pick it apart and see what the Lord's teaching us through it. So in, in verse 23, we see this. We see, first of all, that the apostles were let go and they went to their own companions, okay? They went to the body of Christ that they were a family of. And so I'm, I wanna backtrack a minute and I'm gonna read Acts chapter two, verse 42 and 46. And, and I encourage you folks to read through Acts. It's really a great book. And if you wanna go back to the beginning of Acts and read um, up to the end of chapter four, it's just an amazing build that the Lord brings his church into existence and, and, and creates this, this community through the power of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and so you see the early church, what it looked like. And here's the example that we should follow today. Acts chapter two, verse 42 through 46 says this. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. That means the Bible. They, they, they continued in the teaching of the gospel. They continued in talking about what Jesus was about and what Jesus did. That's what it means when it says the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. In, in the breaking of bread and in prayer, verse 43, this is Acts 2, I know it's not on the screen. Acts 2, verse 43. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. So I wanted to read Acts chapter two, verse 42 through 46. So you kind of had an idea of what this group was doing. So Peter and John went to the temple, but this group still was operating in this fashion. And so they had... <clears throat> They, 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 they were speaking about Jesus and they were following the doctrine of the apostles. They were in fellowship. They were eating together. They were praying together. Um, they had a, 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 a godly fear in, in their soul. So they, they, they had this, this, this responsibility, this fear towards the Lord. Um, many signs and wonders had been going on. And I wanna stress this too, because we're gonna cover that in the, rest, the other part of this scripture. Hey, Gina, can you turn the AC on back there, please? Um, thank you. So, a lot of times when we go to scripture, sometimes because of things that we see in different churches or, or experience, we end up focusing on the signs and wonders part. But, but I really want you folks to understand this, and it's imperative that we know this, that, that signs and wonders occurred in Acts because God was doing something miraculous to draw the world's attention to Jesus only. It wasn't to draw people's attention to the miracle or, or, or the things that the apostles did because we look in Acts chapter four when Peter and John healed this man, all of the religious people were praising Peter and John and Peter corrected them basically and said, why look at us. And so the focus is always Jesus. It's never anything else. It's not the church. It's not the fellowship. It's not the congregation. It's Jesus. And I really want you folks to understand that, that in the text here, we see this, this pattern. And, and, and so a lot of times when you go through the books of Acts, You'll, you'll hear churches talking about or pastors talking about the pattern of the body of Christ. And the pattern is the focus is Jesus. And out of that focus, then fellowship occurs. Then community occurs. See, a lot of times in our society, we try and create community to create the Holy Spirit. Or we try and create events to, to show community. But what really happened here is these people were captured by the truth of who Jesus is 
and what Jesus was, that he was God, that he was the Messiah, that he fulfilled all prophecy, all hundreds and hundreds of prophecies that were hundreds and hundreds of years prior. And they couldn't deny the fact that he is God, that he was a savior that came to the world. And when they accepted that and they saw what happened at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon them and the church was birthed. And so I was thinking through all of this and it's important that we focus on what Jesus is doing in our life and how he wants to minister to us. And our focus needs to be vertical so that our relationships with others horizontally are godly. And so this wasn't a systematic gathering that occurred because man created it. This was a supernatural movement of God because God loves us. And out of that, the fellowship happened. Out of that, the selling of land happened. There was something that, that people all of a sudden became eternally minded and focused on the body and not focused on everything they could gather for themselves. You see the transition of selfishness to selflessness. Because really the example of selflessness was Jesus. He served. Uh, back in John a while back, we went through when Jesus washed the feet of the disciples, the epitome of servitude. And if Jesus is God 100% and man 100%, then God himself humbled himself into a position of selflessness. And so you see this attitude of selflessness in the body of Christ, and it's because of what the Lord was doing in their lives. And I wanted to stress that so it's not like when we get into these sections of them selling things off, you know, we can take sometimes that out of context. Like, well, what are you telling me? That God tells me to sell everything off and I need to get rid of everything. I don't necessarily think that that's what the word is speaking here. Um, I think what's happening in scripture here is that this change of attitude, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with money. It's the love of money. That's the root of all evil. Money's a tool. It takes money to have ministry, to have this place, to do what we did last night. It takes money to take care of my kids, you know? I mean, it's a tool. But if all of it is as our focus, then, then it becomes an idol. And so God did a radical work in these people. So back, Acts chapter four, <clears throat> verse 24. Um, so, what the, the followers of Christ were doing. They were, they were steadfast. They were following the New Testament doctrine. Um, they were in fellowship. Uh, their lives were woven together and they, and, they, and they prayed. So verse 24 says this. So when they heard that being Peter and John came back and told them what had happened, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. So you see here, they recognize that God was supreme and that he was great, that he was the one that created the universe. They didn't just jump into their problems. Isn't that how we are sometimes when we pray? We jump right into our problems. God, my life's horrible. This is happening. This is bad. This is bad. This is bad. I mean, they didn't, that wasn't their attitude. And so this section of scripture is really a good example of how as the church is to pray, how we, we're the church. This building's not the church. If Jesus Christ lives inside of you, then, you, then you're the church. Amen. We are the church. And so they, they didn't go to God with their problems or anything, fix this, fix that, or anything of that nature. 
God's not a genie in a bottle, so they weren't like, okay, Lord, you know, I need this. Come, come help me. He's God. He's over all things. And this is how we should pray, recognizing that God is over all things. Verse 25 through 27 says this. Who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord, against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. So they quoted Psalm chapter two, verse one through two. They acknowledged that God was foreknowing and knew what was going to take place. God knows all things. The God that I'm talking about, Jesus Christ, he knows all things about your life. He knows what your future is. He knows what your past was. He, he sees all things and he loves us the same. He loves you. He doesn't look at us and go and take his thumb and put it, oh, you did that wrong. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my thumb against you or, or he doesn't have that attitude. He knows all things about us. And so you see the apostles, they, when they were praying, they acknowledged that God was Lord and that he was the creator of all things, who he was. Then they spoke scripture and they, they acknowledged that, that scripture had been fulfilled in what actually happened in their lives. Verse 28 says this, to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. See, God is in control. He he, he was the one that determined these things before they had happened. So they recognized that. They recognized that he had already determined these things, that his purpose was accomplished even in the persecution of Christ and of their own lives. See, God, again, God is in control of your life now. You know, we lose sight of these things and, and we think that he's not at work and in control, but he is. And it's super easy to get focused off of the Lord and focused on our circumstances. But God is in control. And that's, I think, where the rub is sometimes in our life. You know, there's, God has made us to be passionate and loving people. And there's things that we love in life and there's things that are important to us. And sometimes when those things don't work out right, man, that's the thorn in our side where we're like, we can either become bitter towards God or we can allow it to stretch us and cause us to trust him. Marilyn and I were talking about that this morning, you know? And it's like, there's, you know, situations in our life that seem so out of control and, and like just the simplest things that really are a need in our life and they can seem like they're not working out. And, 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 and it needs to, to point us to a place of, Lord, will you please help? And I acknowledge that you are God. I acknowledge that you're in control. You know, we need to open the scriptures. In, in, in seasons of my life, when I'm, when I'm frustrated or things don't, don't work right and, I, and the Bible doesn't make sense to me and every place I read in the Bible is just, I just don't get it. I don't, it doesn't jive with me. I open the Psalms and I read Psalms. I read through Psalms and it's a big comfort. And it's interesting here. So verse 29, I kind of broke verse 29 apart. And, and, and they transition and they say, now, Lord. So, so there's this transition in their prayer. Remember the apostles, they're praying as a group after Peter and John came. So they go, they say, now, Lord. So after they spent some time in prayer, just assuring their own hearts and minds that, and, and that God is in control and, and, and they, they prayed through his word, 
as they spoke of God and about his greatness, his power, his wisdom, his sovereignty, they now transition their, to their request. Now, Lord, in verse, the rest of verse 29 says, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness, they may speak your word. Look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness, they may speak your word. See, these Christians were not concerned with their personal safety. They were concerned with being bold for Jesus. See, this was the first persecution of the church. Peter and John could have come back and said, you know, we went and we were in church and, and, and that, those pastors hated us and, and everything was horrible and, and they locked us up overnight and they told us, don't ever speak about Jesus again. Well, I'm offended. That's not how they were. They got together. They recognized that God was sovereign and had all authority. And then they told, they, they recognized that they were threatened. The Lord, okay, we were threatened by these people. It's almost like it was just a quick thought. Okay, we were threatened by them, but Lord, give us boldness to continue. And church, I want you to recognize this. God is calling you all to ask the Lord for boldness in this community that we live in, in the, your daily life. See, please recognize that Peter was a fisherman. These were uneducated people. They didn't have college degrees. They didn't go through Bible college. They were, they were ostracized by the religious community. They were nobodies. In fact, you go to the beginning of, through chapter four and they recognize, well, who are these? These are untrained men. Like last week, I said, man, we go through this scripture and it's like, we can relate to this. And a lot of times we have this arm's distance, you know, like, oh, ministry is for the guy speaking up front. That's not what God's word says. That's not what we see here in Acts. We see the Holy Spirit doing a radical work in everyday people to be bold for Jesus. That's part of the vision the Lord's given me for Metanoia Community Church, Olivehurst that God wants to raise up people to go plant churches. And that's my prayer. My prayer isn't that this place becomes filled with hundreds of people and thousands of people and, and maybe buys Dan Avenue Church. That'd be great. The Dan Avenue, there's a building over there. It's $2 million. That'd be great one day if we needed that. But if God kept us here and all we did was fill this room to capacity and God raised people up and we sent out and planted churches, that would be a radical church. Because churches that fill up with thousands of people and everyone hides in it and they're still living in sin or they're living in discontent or they're living in a way that the God's word doesn't actually compel them to be different, then why are they at church? Because I want to experience Jesus and I want my life to be changed and I hope you do too. Amen. And that's what needs to happen in our lives. And so God knocks on our door all the time. Like, our neighbor, I don't even know your name, but the other day we're out here setting up and she opens her window and she says, hey, what kind of church are you guys? I'm like, this is rad, you know? And, and, and Roy, who, who helps serve here, Angelina, his wife is here. And I said, Roy, go talk to her. And see, that's the, the Lord gave her boldness to ask us what we were doing. And the Lord gave Roy boldness to go talk to a stranger at night through a window in her family room. And that's, that's radical Christianity, people. I'm telling you, it really is. That's radical Christianity. That's what needs to be happening in our lives. 
That's where the Lord starts doing neat things. And it's not just showing up and sitting down and listening to a guy talk and clapping our hands and, and, and eating some food and getting like, a, be a fat sheep, right? Filled with God's word, but, but useless. God wants to stretch us. He wants to use us in ways that we have no idea yet. And I guarantee you that has to be what was going on with these people's lives. God was using them in a radical way and they had no idea because they'd never experienced it before. And I'm sorry, but the God that I serve, his mercy is new every day. And he's always taking Brian and he's always taking pieces of me apart and revealing my shortcomings so that I can confess my shortcomings to him so that he can build me up and make me more like him. And he wants to do the same thing with you guys. And that's, we have to have that working relationship with the Lord. And so thank you for yelling out your window. It was awesome. I love it when that stuff happens. And see, there's steps of faith. We don't know each other. You brought your kids here. You guys came last night. And it's like, okay, I'm hungry. I want, I want, to, I want to hear Jesus. I want to be in a community. I want to be part of God's body. I want to be in the word. I know I've heard it in the past or, the, or whatnot, but I, I know that I want that. And even the name of the church, Metanoia Community Church Olivers, it's like, guy who was here is like, what does Metanoia mean? It means it's a Greek word for repentance. Amen. And him and his wife looking it up, and I said, yeah, some people might think it's a cold. He goes, no, seriously, we, were, we really thought that that might've been that, but we are not that. <laughs> but I believe God wants to draw us to a place of transformation on a daily basis. And I just see that in Acts so richly. It's so rich with God changing people's lives and causing them to point to Jesus. So thank you for being such an encouragement, honestly. <laughs> so you see here after in verse 30, you see the, 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 the I wanna say the church, the congregation, because it's not, it's transition, it's, okay, so Jesus comes on the scene, he picks his 12 and it goes from 12 to after Jesus ascended, it goes to 150 and from 150, it goes to 1,000, 3,000 people on Pentecost and then 2,000 people are, are added after Peter's next sermon. And so you see this group, this is a group of people. I don't know if all 5,000 were gathered together. Most likely not, they didn't have large houses back then. But this is the church. And again, they're praying. It says, by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. This is verse 30. See, they petition God to grant them the power to continue to perform signs and wonders to exalt, keep in mind, listen to this, you guys, to exalt the name of Jesus for the purpose of preaching the gospel, the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was the purpose of them asking about performing signs and wonders. See, this wasn't for them to be noticed. It wasn't for them to, to be excited about miracles. It wasn't, uh, you know, any of those things. There's a pattern. If you look in Acts, there's this pattern of ministry that was happening. Always repentance was preached. 
When Pentecost happened, it wasn't about speaking in tongues. It was God out of his divine knowledge and understanding knew that everybody around the world would be there because of the Feast of Pentecost and they would hear their own language and it would cause their attention to perk up. And then Peter preached to him. Same thing with this. They're asking for the Lord to continue in this pattern so that the ministry of the apostles could be confirmed publicly and people would get saved. The ministry of the apostles was preaching repentance and the gospel of Jesus Christ. The focus was always Jesus. So that's why they're asking for this. They weren't asking for that to be greatly known. They were asking that to happen so that there would be no doubt that Jesus is God in people's lives. Verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place, this is interesting, when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. So I wanna talk about this for a minute. So they were praying this prayer, okay? And then some miraculous thing happened. There was an earthquake of some sort. The place they were at shook. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and last week we talked about this. There is, there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit when you come to know Jesus. The Lord transforms us. We're renewed. We're transformed. We're, 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 we're sealed up in the Lamb's book of life. Your name is written in a book that God's gonna open, Jesus is gonna open one day. And if your name's in it, you're in heaven. If not, you need to get saved today. So that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then there's refillings for ministry. There's refillings to be boldness. There's asking to fill me up for ministry, Lord. Fill me up. And so there is this, this refilling, this filling of the Holy Spirit. And you see right after that section in scripture here where it says this, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. That was the purpose of the filling of the Holy Spirit was to speak the word of God with boldness. So remember that to speak the word of God with boldness. We need to be praying and asking, God, will you fill me so that I can speak with boldness? And it's not about memorizing scripture, although don't get me wrong, memorizing scripture is good. It's what renews our mind through the word of God. But if the Lord has taught you something through the word and then you're able to share the context of what God's word spoke from the pages to you, and I don't mean interpretation, I mean the context of it to somebody's life, and it's biblically sound. That's boldness in the Lord. And I'm not talking about misquoting scripture or, 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 or making it say something that it's not. God's gifted all of you to be bold. The power of the Holy Spirit. He, he's not, oh, well, this person gets this and this person gets that. No, God wants to use all of you to share the love of Jesus, to share God's word with people. Verse 32 says this in 33. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon all. So they had this, this selflessness that came upon them. 
They were one. They were unified in Jesus. There's something very special about the body of Christ. We're all one. God has made all of us one in Jesus. And they experienced that. And I love that, that, that this is like what we need to look for in church, honestly. Oneness, unity, not separatism, not And and I love that about Acts. There's these pictures of like what the body of Christ should should look like, you know? Lord willing, that's what we will continue to look like here. There's this love that the Lord gives his people for each other. And, and, And it's amazing. It says, neither did any say that any of the things he possessed was his own. You know, in life, we are bombarded by this is mine, you know? And then the Lord starts working in our lives and we, we, and we start noticing and, and, and we start wanting to give what we have to others that don't have. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And so God was doing that amongst these people. And I found it fascinating too that, that um, Luke who wrote Acts, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit allowed him to add this, and great grace was upon all. What does grace mean? Unmerited favor. So there is this, this un. How how do I put this? This unearned favor that was upon them, this grace from God was upon them, this favor. They didn't earn it. God gave it to them. So there's this, this grace that needs to be in our lives, this favor from God. And that comes from our relationship with Jesus. And this is what they had. 34 and 35 says this now, nor, uh, it's a continuation of, 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 of things. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and bought the proceeds of the things that were sold. Now, I'm not in any way, shape, or form, I'm not saying, hey, God's word says you gotta buy, sell everything you have and give it to the church. I don't think that's what this is saying. You have to understand this is a very unique space and a very unique piece in scripture. Now, if God wants you to sell all your land and, and, and build a church, praise the Lord, but it has to be the Holy Spirit moving through you. And again, it's an attitude of selflessness, not an attitude of selfishness. And, and, I, and I believe that the scriptures are sh- showing here that they had this attitude of selflessness towards each other. And it was a very radical selflessness that occurred. They counted their things to be others their things to be other people's things. They wanted to give so that no one was in want. They had all things in common. So again, there's this unity. And in verse 33, with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, they were preaching, teaching, sharing the truth of Jesus. So there was this outpouring, this God was using them to to push the gospel out. God uses us physically to, to tell people about Jesus. And again, this great grace, sorry, I got, I backed up, I apologize. So they took everything they sold and they laid it at the apostles' feet and distributed it to each one that had need. So the apostles were the leaders of the church and instead of them trying to figure out how it all go, they just said, hey, you guys are the leaders, we're gonna lay this, you guys figure out how this all gets distributed. So please don't lay anything at my feet and I'm not an apostle. But these folks, they knew that their life on earth was for each other and for the furthering of the kingdom of God. When believers in church start living and thinking and acting this way, 
God does radical things with the body. Verse 36 through 37 says this. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas, we'll later on learn about Barnabas's uh, interaction and with Paul, who was Saul, later on in Acts. Um, but Barnabas, uh, by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, that was in his name, he was a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, it's interesting. I, I was, you know, through my studies, I learned this. I didn't, I didn't know this. I don't know everything and I never will until I'm in heaven, probably. Um, well, not probably, but for sure. Um, that was kind of a weird statement, I know, sorry. I'll know what God wants me to know when I'm in heaven. <laughs> but um, I learned this, that Levites weren't really um, owners of land. It wasn't part of their, their thing. And so uh, it was a rarity for Barnabas to have this land. And um, God moved upon him to sell it. And I, and I was reading through this and studying, I go, isn't that interesting how when we get something that we don't really have, that is a rarity for us, we tend to really hold on to it tightly and um, again, there's just this picture of just being selfless with our things. And, and Barnabas, it was just another picture of just giving away what was rare even for him. And there's just this, this demeanor that the body had of just wanting to fulfill the great commission, wanting to, 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 to help each other financially, wanting to help each other physically. They knew that, that, that people had needs and they wanted to meet them. And again, this is just a radical thing that the Holy Spirit did in these folks' lives. So you see this picture, just to recap. They were persecuted, they were let go. Instead of complaining, they gave praises to the Lord and adoration of who God was. They, they spent time in prayer. Let me encourage you folks, spend time in prayer. Spend time in prayer. I was talking with um, one, of the, one of the young guys who serves here. And um, we'll have long coffee time, you know, and talk about the, the issues of life and the difficulties and, and things. And, and, and I said, you know, when you get up, are you thankful for what you see? And he goes, no, I, I kind of stopped doing that, you know? And it's important that we wake up and we actually start thanking God for what we have, what we see, where we're at, and, and have this adoration and praise towards him. Because then we're telling him, Lord, you're in control. And, and the apostles did this. And then again, they prayed for boldness so that the Lord would fill them up. And, and I'm not saying, you know, in life that things are easy and that everything's just gonna go away if we put God first. God, God stretches us, you know, but he gives us the power and the strength and the mercy and the grace to endure our trials and our situations. And we see, and we see this, this picture here with the apostles this, and, 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 and the, the early church, that they walked this out by putting God first and the Lord allowed them to pray and ask for boldness and God used them greatly. And even with, beyond that, the Lord started changing them in a way to where they started giving instead of wanting to hold on to things. And so that's just, it, that's a daily conviction. Even for Gina, it's like, I'm super selfish with things. And my wife and I, we, we really, 
we, we, man, my wife is super giving and I, I could never outgive her. And, but she's a great example of how, you know, what it means to be selfless with things. I right away, I'm like, oh, we need to, we need to, no, I, I need to hold on to these things or I'm not, I'm not naturally like that. And so we just have to always ask the Lord to just, to just grow us in these areas of our lives. He's always causing us to be more like Jesus. And just what a great picture we have here of what God started doing in the body of Christ, the early church. And so, um, yeah, I'm just gonna close with that. And uh, I'm gonna go ahead and pray. Father God, thank you for your mercy and your grace and your love. Thank you for this text, Lord, this section of scripture that um, just how the apostles were, Lord, and the, the early church that, that you, you captured their hearts and minds and, and, and you drew them to you and, and you started to do something radically different than what was normal daily living, Lord. And um, Father, I pray that you would do that in our lives, Lord. Help us to be other-centered. Help us to be um, looking to you to strengthen us. Help us to, to, to honor you in our, in our thinking and to, to pray the way they prayed, Lord, about putting you first and thinking about you and that you are in control and that you're the God of heaven and earth and that you love us. Just thank you, Father, for each and every person here. And with, with every eye closed, head bowed, you know, if, I'm just gonna ask, is there anybody here that's never made a decision for Jesus? that's never said, I, I, I wanna have the Lord in my life. I, I wanna live forever. I, want, I, I need to be saved. You know, God, God's word tells us that all have fallen short of his glory. We've all sinned. And Jesus was sent to the earth. You know, he decided to come here and, and, and walk the earth. At three years of ministry that we saw at 33, he was crucified and, and, and he was put to death and he chose that death. He chose that place for for you and for me. He, he, he decided to be obedient to the Father and take our place. And he shed his blood for us. And he was buried and three days later rose again so that we'd have an opportunity to recognize that we are a sinner and that we need a savior and to recognize that he's in control and that he conquers sin and death. And if there's anybody here today that has never made that decision, raise your hand there's anybody online that you know is watching this never made a decision for the lord to 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 allow jesus to be lord of your life you know text us send a message we'll pray for you lead you in a short prayer like last night um i just always want to give that opportunity father god thank you that um according to this group lord everyone knows you father Lord, I pray if there's anything that anyone needs prayer for, they might ask for it today too, Lord. And, and um, Lord, thank you that um, you're always available, God. Praise you and give you all the glory, Lord. We just ask that you'd be honored and glorified, Lord, um, as we just continue this day, Lord, in fellowship. And uh, just thank you for your word, that it never turns back void, Father. Just praise you and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.